whether we're talking about business, wellness, travel, or relationships. I've always thought age is just a number. Welcome to Ageless with me, Cynthia Raleigh, and my daughter, Kit Keenan. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Ageless. So today we have Mary Ralph and Kennedy from Daily Drills. So I'm sure you guys have seen Daily Drills on Instagram. They have been absolutely killing it. I wear their matching athleisure sets like literally all the time. And I just posted one when I was in vacation in Cabo. So definitely check that out. And today we talk all about how to start a business in the athleisure space. And this episode is just a wealth of knowledge on that. So please take a listen if you are interested in starting a business, a clothing business in any sense, because this episode is full of little tips. And we hope you guys love it as much as we did. Mary Ralph and Kennedy are like literally after we recorded this episode, my mom was like, those girls are going to make it. They are just so passionate about everything they do. And this conversation was really, really incredible and totally energizing for me. So I hope you guys love it. And as always, let us know on Instagram your thoughts. All right. Hey, guys. What's up? Hi. (laughs) Thanks for having us. Of course. We're so excited. So I guess just for anyone who doesn't know Daily Drills, tell us where the idea came from. I have worn your stuff all over and I've seen it all over Instagram. So tell us where the idea came from. Every time I see Kit in a little cute like shorts and, you know, little outfit, I'm always like, oh, that's so cute. Then I see the giant Daily Drills (laughs) label, which is so smart with the branding. I always see stuff that I think is really cute. Oh, it's so sweet. Well, it kind of was just divine intervention and timing. Mary Ralph and I are both best friends and obviously now we're business partners, but we had always circulated business ideas. I have a marketing background. She has a social media strategy background. So we were always like coming together, working for different brands and with different people and just kind of showing ideas. And we both had ultimately wanted to start our own brand. We just thought it would be when we were 30 plus. And then we were actually working with a woman who is in the design and manufacturing business for clothing. She had some extra fabric. And I was like, ooh, I would like to use it. So I literally text Ralph like a Wednesday night, mid-pandemic, so we're only a year and a half old, and was like, hey, you want to start a like athletic brand? I don't even know exactly what it said. And she was like, yeah, I'm down. And so a couple months later, we came out with black biker shorts, black leggings, white crewnecks, and black bras, because that's all we could afford at the time. And that was just yeah. the very beginning. And it's obviously evolved into so much more. At the beginning, we thought we were going to be full on workout instructors. We like <laughs> filmed workout videos in my room and all of the things. And then we realized we like fashion a lot more than we like working out. And so <laughs> we kind of pivoted that way since, but it's crazy when we, how different, like what we started is versus now, but how it like all led us to where we are today. Yeah, for sure. Were you guys doing social media on your own? Like, did you have your own personal brands before starting Daily Gels? So I was doing social media. I'm a quote unquote influencer, a little bit smaller. And then I was doing um, social for a few other brands. So I was helping them create their content and post it. And Kennedy was doing marketing and copywriting for a few of the same brands, similar brands. So that's kind of how we started working together, I feel like at the beginning. And Kennedy had a sweater line at one point. I had like a clothing line in seventh grade at one point that had all of my Instagram bios on the shirts that I love. So we kind of had built our own social organically. And then we're like, okay, I think it's time to start our own brand. Because obviously, you know, Kit, like, posting for a bunch of brands, doing things for a bunch of people, and you see the outcome of that. And then you have confidence to do it on your own. I feel like it was such a good way to start. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's also the way that people talk about starting a business now is really inspiring to me because I feel like information sharing has become way more like acceptable and encouraged. I think, I mean, you can speak on this, but I feel like it it used to be more like, oh, these are my business secrets and I don't want anyone to know because they're going to steal my special sauce or whatever. 
And now I feel like you just need to accept that your product and your branding is so unique and so special that no one can take that away from you. And so let's share the love and like there's room for everyone. And I think that that spirit has definitely like changed in the times that I've seen like growing up in the fashion industry to now. Also, I think the speed at which you put product out is also part of it because I think it used to be, I used to meet students or young designers starting out and I'd be like, well, can I see what you're, you're working on? And they'd be like, well, no, I don't want to show anyone because they'll steal my idea. It's like by the time you actually do it and put it out there and like somebody steals your, you know, it's just not like that anymore. You don't think about that. You just put it out as fast as you can and move on to some, you know, the next iteration while, you know, keeping really true to your brand and like the overall message of your brand is what's really unique more than like one design that you don't want to show anyone, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's so, so I guess let's get into the nitty gritty a little bit. So when you guys first were like Kennedy, when you said you found that extra fabric and you were like, the idea was sparked, how did you go about designing and manufacturing those first like the leggings and the little crop and how how did that process work for you guys yeah that's a great question neither of us have fashion or design backgrounds which Mm -hmm. I think is so ironic that we're sitting in this space now but we actually have a third partner so the woman who had the stock fabric actually is part of our business and she's on the design and manufacturing side so we basically came to her with our concept so for the black leggings what we wanted, how high we wanted the waistband, how long we wanted them, how we were going to brand them. So we kind of like ran that through with her. And then she went ahead and started creating the fit samples and stuff like that. So anytime we design with her, it's really us like bringing forth the ideas, being like, hey, this is what we're seeing happening, you know, out in the marketplace. Like we trend forecast ourselves. We loved it, the colors. And then she kind of brings that to life. And obviously we'll provide the guardrails as far as like, okay, you might want the sleeves a little shorter. You might, this isn't going to be as flattering. So that's kind of how it started. And now she's obviously way more like intensely involved, but at the beginning we only really developed like four pieces. Yeah. And I think it's also interesting because a lot of people think you need to go to school for this or know how to draw or know how everything that goes into a garment, but we've learned so much. much. Like I didn't even know all the details. Obviously you guys know all the details that go into one piece of clothing or one dress or one button down. And she really has taught us along the way, but I think it's super interesting that we get to come with like this kind of grand idea that's still in space. And then she's the one that puts like the pen to paper has been so cool to see that process too. But I think it's also like each component of a fashion business is equal. Like I think people tend to think like, oh, the designer, you know, the grand, you know, visionary of a brand. It's not really like that. It's like, I'm listening to my audience and looking at data and all that stuff. And that's all, you know, coming from the sales and marketing and that becomes really important. So like what you guys are doing with social media is basically as important as like some vision for the brand or the craft or the creative process. Each one is equally important. Mm-hmm. The manufacturing, which we want to talk about too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where yeah. do you guys make this stuff? So we make most of it. I would say 80% of it in LA yeah. is what you would say. And then some of it's overseas. Our fabric comes from all over the place. I think we have Bali, Brazil, yeah, India. a couple different places. Yeah, a couple of different places. Um, we manufacture a few items that have to be in China mm-hmm. that are the nylon fabric. But we try to keep it mostly in LA, but we didn't realize that all fabrics aren't made and sewn in Los Angeles. Or so they're you, just like at such a premium that we're not able to it. offer it to our customers, you know, with our pricing. Yeah. More or less. Yeah. So factories I are think pretty it's much more it's more sustainable too if you can stay within you know, you can manufacture it in the same place that they're making the fabric so that you're not chipping things all over the place. And it is nice to have local factories, though, I will say, because if there are any issues or we need to get a photo sample, just like 
working with someone who's an hour away versus, you know, another country is obviously a lot easier and probably more sustainable. So we do try to source in Los Angeles when we can, but obviously we can't with all fabrics. Mm -hmm. And did you guys have supply chain disruption during at any point since you started? We intern, sorry, I, I feel like I cut you off. We no. entered in the pandemic. So like, yeah, we were used that to was it. our normal, yeah. you know, we were, we're used to everything being like three to four weeks delayed and, and being way more expensive because of shortages. So I feel like we kind of were thrown into it where now like nothing really surprises us when yeah. it comes to like pricing and supply chain, but definitely. And our manufacturers always saying like, I'm having to renegotiate this piece because X, Y, and Z due to the pandemic. So, I mean, yeah. I'll let you keep speaking on that. But and I, but I do think it was interesting at the very beginning, we were using that stock fabric because that's what we had available and we were able to launch. And I think we came up with the idea in July and our launch, our first launch was mid-November. So relatively quickly, I think it's because we actually had the fabric in hand and factories that cut and sew, and sew were just down the street. So we were able to do that quickly. And then once we wanted to expand our categories, we realized like, oh, this is going to take a lot of time. But like you said, it was kind of, what the time was at that moment. And when we entered, that's just what we thought everyone dealt with. So it honestly might've been a blessing looking back on it that we weren't like used to the quick and easy. Yeah. I mean, I think you experienced that so much during the early stages of the pandemic, like, and having to re kind of figure out like once you get used to a system, yeah, like you, you have to, yeah, you have to pivot and like figure out like, oh, this is, I'm going to have to do this super fast. And that that's also kind of the downside of owning a, a clothing company is that in general, like the lead times have to be so far in advance. And yet the demand is always for the new. So it's like a hamster wheel. I mean, oh my all God, of you guys crazy. can speak yeah, what on was that. that like like... You, Cynthia? I'm so curious. Yeah. Sorry? What was that like for you? Well, I mean- First of all, I will say like figuring this stuff out is kind of the fun. I mean, nobody wants to be like sleepwalking through a business. You know, I think those challenges are what gets you to think about things in a new way and more, you know, a more sustainable way or faster, you know, whatever it is. I think that's important to constantly be challenged. But yeah, in, you know, March 2020, after I was like, oh, that was a nice career you had, Cynthia, I got my shit together. And I was like, okay, we're going to do this differently. And we only designed still, the total pivot was so good. We only designed three months out. So we designed, get a sample, put production in that day, and ship to our warehouse within three months. Because then it's constantly replenishment. We do we do smaller quantities than we used to do, but we do three times as many drops. So that enables us to sell out of things without having any waste. We don't, you know, have to dump stuff like most designers have to like get rid of stuff at the end of the season because we don't work in seasons. We just work like every day, designing every day, shipping every day. So, yeah, I mean, when you talk about the hamster wheel, it's for sure. Yeah, like I'm pulling so my hair out every day. <laughs> I feel like that makes us feel better, too, because we always, as like smaller brands and smaller designers, we always think, oh, someone like you would have it planned out two years in advance, you know, or something crazy like that. But I love the the aspect that we get to design and within four months, it's with our audience. And we are, it, I think it helps to be super applicable to what's happening or what people are wearing or the even though a brand that sustains time but still has that like trend aspect to it that people like want to wear in the here and now I feel like is super interesting I love I love being able to design something so close and I hope that we are always able to I think it's yeah you I mean I think you have to because you're listening to your audience Mm -hmm. so I would say half of what we do is like brand new ideas that you're just like testing out and you're like, Oh, I don't know this, Mm -hmm. you know, this could be a winner or not. And then half of it is reimagining in a new way or making it even better or new colors or whatever, and things that you know are working. And like, there's nothing worse than, well, there's two, there's only two things that are bad about that. It's like, 
either you make something and nobody wants to buy it or you make something and it sells out immediately and you can't get any more. And that's even, that's the worst for me. Like I can't handle it. I'm like, we need more right away. But you know, that's part of like working like that. And it, it does make it way more chaotic, but definitely more exciting. Mm-hmm. You know, I think you guys have, I know you ask your audience and you do new versions of things that are your classics. I mean, I think that's what builds a brand and brand loyalty too, when they know they can go back and get their favorite thing, but in maybe a new color or... Yeah. Or like go, because they're going to get the set that they've been wearing for a year now. Yeah. And then they see like a new thing on the website that they're like, wow, I need to get my hands on that too. Yeah. Then that becomes your your new classic and it's much more of an evolution rather than like do 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 it's a new season everybody <laughs> nobody shops like that nobody yeah, does yeah. that, I love that. So, yeah no i think it's i think it's good and you guys have expanded obviously from those early pieces into new categories but we'd love to hear what your you you have coming out next or what your dreams are and how you see it evolving. I think something fun we have coming up next, I think we can say yeah. now, um, but I love, it's kind of like yours too, because we, at, at the beginning we were like so tight in our one category of athleisure or we were really athletic and then we're like, okay, let's be athleisure. Let's do a sweatshirt and some sweatshorts. But now we're trying to push the boundaries and even since we made activewear, like one day, one of my biggest dreams is to make dresses. We haven't made it yet, but I want to, and I think we will one day. Um, but last summer we wanted to make swim and next month we're actually coming out with swim, which will be super exciting. That's like our new category. Oh, that's great. I know, which is, we're so excited for, but just that brands now can be so much more diverse in their offerings and their products and everything that they do, but it ties well together. If you've branded yourselves from the beginning, like that secret yeah. sauce. Even if you tell everyone everything you do, your manufacturer, everything, they are not going to be you. They, yeah. They're not Kennedy and I, they're not you guys. So I think it's, that's kind of the fun part. Like you can do anything and under the umbrella of daily drills, it'll all be yeah. relevant to our audience. And that's one thing that all of our girls, we always ask them, we pull on Instagram all the time, like what colors they're wanting to see, what items they're wanting to see. And ever since like we the very beginning, everyone wanted to see swim. So we're like, when the time's right, we'll do it. And finally we developed it and I think it'll be ready next month. So I'm so excited. It's also like the perfect combo, like the matching set, the button down shirt and shorts with the daily drill swim. Like that's iconic. It might be reversible because our crew necks are reversible. So we're like... I think we need a little reversal action in there. Love, so love a good cute. two in one. Yeah, exactly. So on on the manufacturing front, I want to ask if there's anything like. So you guys kind of almost tripped and fell into this business with like finding this perfect partner and having this opportunity, but for someone who is like, whoa, how do I even get started with manufacturing a garment? Where do you think they should start? And if you could redo those first few months, is there anything that you would change? (laughs) So many good questions. (laughs) I think it's hard because like we were saying, it really kind of was divine intervention with the timing and the connections and all that. And like Ralph touched on earlier, I had a sweater line very small before daily drills. And I reached out to a consultant. I think I just found her through LinkedIn or online, but I would say like first step is just to find like a local consultant who believes in your brand. If you don't have money, give them a percentage of your company or something like that in exchange for sweat equity. I think a consultant, if you don't have the design background is like the best way to enter the space. And you're like kind of riding on the knowledge of somebody who's been in fashion design for a long time. And then other than that, we literally just got started like Again, we didn't have business degrees. We didn't know the first thing about funding and finances and LLCs. We just like said we were going to do it. We we shared it with everybody. We were like, yeah. we just put it out there. We're going to actually have to stick to it. And then slowly I we'd reach out. And we were so surprised with how yeah. many people were like, let me connect you to this person. I have a lawyer. I have an accountant. And like talk about women helping women like and 
Kit, you mentioned this earlier, like there being space for everybody and information sharing. Like we were overwhelmed with the people who wanted to support us. So long winded, but basically like we just started and like put it out there and and we're so say it and ask. I feel like if we just said it out loud and we asked someone if like they knew anyone that could help. In like a very organic way too, because people are always interested in what you're doing or what the next thing. And I think it was just, it was crazy how many people wanted to help and how many like great resources that we still use today that we came from, that came from the first two months, would you say? Right. Yeah. I think that's so, so important is not being afraid to ask questions and then connecting the dots because say you need a freight forwarder you go like, okay, well, what, what comes before and after freight forwarder? I'll ask my warehouse if they can recommend one, or I'll ask my factory if they can recommend, you know, it's just like connecting those dots and just asking for it. Mm-hmm. I would be one thing I wouldn't say though, is giving away part of your business for anything. <laughs> That's good advice. I think. Yeah. Don't do that. <laughs> because he, what you're giving away right now in this very, very early stage, I mean, it's not so early, but you're established, but in this early stage of business is going to be worth a hundred times more in like a couple of years. So don't give it away now. Just do some sort of maybe a rev share or deferred salary or something like work out something else. Don't give away part of your company. Yeah. There's so many ways to get creative yeah, too, so many I different think. structures yeah. that you can set up yeah. if you don't have that initial cash. Because we wanted to be self-funded from the beginning. Like we both felt really passionate that we were putting in our own money, self-funding it. And I think it really kind of forced us to believe in ourselves some more yeah. or less and like be scrappy from the beginning. So yeah, it was our money that we were spending at the end of the day. So it was kind of like, we're going to do as much as we can with what we have yeah. possible. So I think well, then that- also nobody's telling you what to do either, mm-hmm. you know? That's yeah. I mean, and also I think people like think that's like the gold standard. Like I don't want to talk behind people's backs, but I was with some people this weekend who were just like talking about how much money they were raising for their business and how all, yeah, like suddenly they have all this funding and whatever, and just like flexing it. And I was like, you know, that's amazing. But like, now you also have to answer to someone else. Yeah. I mean, it depends what you're doing. I have to say a lot of things have to like in tech, whatever you have to raise funding or you're not going to be able to actually like make it a reality. So that that's fine. And then some things, if you know, you can scale the company yourself with your own funding and then go out and raise your first round. You know, that's the way to do it, I think. Yeah. That's that's, I still own my company 100%. Wow, that's wow. amazing. But that's it's grown so much that maybe this is the time I might think about doing something. Yeah, yeah. it's interesting, like, kind of deciding when that point is. Because we have a lot of friends who own their own businesses at various points in their business. And we're always like picking their brain and asking, you know, when's the right time for investment. And I don't think we're ready for it yet or nor do we want it, but it's just interesting. Everyone has a different opinion on when is the right time to invest and how much to invest. And I really do think it's interesting to watch other people structure their business and then like fast forward five years and see how much they like the decisions that they made. And like how it works for that person, then it, yeah. it works differently for different people. And it all works out at the end somehow. Yeah, but. sometimes it's great. I mean, yeah, it does. It really depends. I think the time to raise funding is like when you know what you want to spend it on, not just to right. raise. Yeah. To raise you know, yeah, and like yeah. flex a number. Yeah, like raise it when, yeah. when yeah. you know what your use of the funding is and you can use it to scale and you have a business plan and, and projections and strategy and all that's, then that's, you know, that's a different story. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Back to fashion, back to fashion, (laughs) which this is all involved, but there, I feel like there are a few steps of this process that would be helpful to line up for people. So like maybe the first thing is 
making the physical garment and then you should figure out like how to distribute that garment and what that involves. So like actually getting it to a warehouse or if you're shipping it out of your yeah, house. Yeah, how are you guys shipping? Oh. oh, God. <laughs> okay, so I feel like the process went, we did the first round of sampling. We got the first order, which was not that many items. I think it was a hundred of each of all five items, maybe a little more. Units each, yeah. Yeah. And then the driver dropped them off from our LA factory. Our first batch was made locally at my apartment and I live in West LA and on, and I live on the third floor and I have a tiny little elevator, but it's mostly a walk up and Kennedy and I were like in biker shorts outside sweating, loading every single box up. I had a patio that's probably, what would you say? 15 feet by 15 feet, yeah. maybe. And we put them all out there, all stacked high, and they looked great. We had I hope it didn't rain. rain. It was covered, thank goodness. But we stacked them all up. And then the first day, we actually, it was really interesting when we launched all of our, when we launched Daily Drills, the night before we put our web or our website, no, we put our Instagram dark. And we said, you have to request to follow. So all the people requested and those people were given the password to access our site early. And so by the morning when we launched, we had already sold out of everything. Oh my God. Amazing. Wow. But which was crazy. And it was, it was amazing. But that day we were able to pack all of our stuff in my apartment, literally in my living room, on my dining room table. We packed everything. We took it all down the three flights of stairs, all drove it in our cars to the post office, the local post office. They became our best friends for like the first probably four months we packed out of my apartment three or four or so we kind of thought we could sustain that like oh we're gonna get orders in we're gonna bring them up to my balcony we'll sell out and within a few days because we had limited inventory and then ship it all out but quickly we realized like we have to buy more more people want it it sells it, it sold out once good the for pallet the of but... mailers showed up at your house and we we're like what do we do with the pallet yeah, that was when we had to like find an office so I guess <laughs> yeah. there was yeah. a pa- like a huge pallet in the middle of San Vicente if you live in LA you know that street and we're like oh no what have like, we done we, we have it to get an office but it's crazy like obviously we set daily drills up we wanted it to be big we wanted it to grow we set it up from the beginning as it would do that but we didn't realize in the first six months that we would you know, grow out of an apartment and need an office space. And all of that was kind of scary at the beginning. Yeah. But I think one piece of advice that I would give someone or one thing I would do differently is like hire the person quicker, get the office space a few months sooner than you think you need it. Like yeah. really act like the business that you want to be like, um, because we knew we were headed in that direction. Yeah. Or what if like- you didn't sell anything though? The first time? Yeah. I th- okay. So the- <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't. I, mean, I feel I like know, I, I want to ask That would never how, happen, but I'm just saying for somebody starting out, like that's a scary proposition. Right. They've invested in inventory. They've rented an office. The, and then like, how do you, no, not how necessarily. Do you know I, I don't you're going to sell it? I don't think you necessarily need to like get an office or get like a factory if, I mean, get a warehouse but you should know those, like have those connections in advance. Yeah, then pull the trigger. Then pull yes. the trigger. We, I would definitely have kept it in our apartment at first. I thought we we're going to do the first year, but it was so fun to do the first few months. I think it like really kept us into everything. I mean, all we were doing all day and night was packing. But Ken and I put our own money down and we were like, obviously it was ours, but we kind of, we transferred it to the Daily Joe's bank account. And we're like, okay. If we feel comfortable risking this on ourselves, and if this all pans out to be a learning experience, we're good with that, and we'll do something better next time. Yeah. So I kind of think having that and not putting like our whole, obviously it was a lot of time, it was our full-time job, but like putting so much trust into something, just kind of like, okay, we, we're trusting this to work out, and if it doesn't, it's not the end yeah. of the world. I think it kind of let us like live a little more free. Right. And yeah, and to that, I mean, I was considering going back to school and getting my master's in business. And I mean, that's going to be, we, we each put in $10,000. That's going to be more than $10,000. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, at the end of the day, I'm getting hands-on learning experience that, and I'm just, I'm paying for that. And I obviously am hoping that it's going to work out and I'm going to do everything that I can to make it a profitable business. But if worst case scenario, our inventory sits there, I'm paying on a learning experience. I'm paying on yeah. Understanding, like, okay, then how do I get this to move? Like, if I can't, like, what are the levers that I'm going to pull to try to get it to move and what works? And then how do I double down on that? So, definitely would have been a lot more stressful, but I think we still would have had learnings at the end of it. Well, just just going back though, one step if somebody's going to do this and maybe can't afford to lose 10 grand or 20 grand, 
like, I think one thing that you guys did know was that you had an audience that wanted it, you know? So maybe the first step is really like building your audience and knowing what they want Mm -hmm. and then sort of like fitting your product or your, your, your strategy into what you know your audience wants yeah you know like setting up the the community the community ahead of time I'm interested to know like how did it sell out that first night how did you guys build buzz around your launch wait was it Shopify or like yeah okay yeah Ken was our website developer yes me (laughs) but no Ralph I'm gonna brag on you because you're not gonna brag on yourself has a super 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 loyal loyal audience so you have 60 plus thousand followers but her followers are cult followers they will do buy say whatever she wants but you also started doing the influencer thing like much before she was like in high school and LaCroix would be like I'll pay you $20 to post be like okay hey 15 <laughs> yeah and and so I feel like she really developed this like genuine connection with her audience yeah. and she would tell me and she was doing she had her own social agency but she was also doing a lot of brand deals and she'd be like oh my gosh Kennedy you know I get 10% of the jewelry that I'm selling but look at how many I sold because we would always talk business together and I was like, Ralph, you've got to start your own thing. You're bringing in so much money for these other companies and you're getting 10% of it. And so really like when I asked her to, to do this with me too, I was like, hey, I would invest what I have in you because I believe so in you and whatever you create so much. I'm like, do it with me. Like, let's yeah. do it. So that initial wave of people, 100% came from Ralph. Fully through and through was like your following that you spent years developing that trusts you. And it was the first time you had really put your name on something. And I feel like so many people wanted to support you. Yeah. I feel like too, like, you know, influencer world and everything, like people really want to support you if it's something like you created entirely, like whether it's a capsule collection or your first brand, like right. I think people, and especially like your family and friends and following too, it's like people want to support at the beginning. So I think that's really where the like initial push came in. And then we didn't realize it. We kind of, we sold out, which was obviously amazing, but we we're like, oh, maybe we don't look like as credible, you know, cause we don't have like style sitting on the website or a big offering, which is kind of silly to think, but that's kind of where our heads were at first. We wanted to sort of be like a brand that was seemed bigger than it was and had inventory and stock at all times. But it really did work in our favor at the beginning because obviously we bought all that we could afford and the pot kept growing and we kept buying bigger and bigger. So those first few drops sell, sold out because they, there was kind of that hype around them because they had sold out in the past, mm-hmm. but also the inventory was more limited. So looking back, it really did help us, but that was definitely not the plan. No. At the yeah. Beginning. Yeah. yeah. That's uh, for me, that's the model. You yeah. Know, make it really special, make it controlled or scarce enough that it sells out and then that's more sustainable and, and you people then learn, you know, and they get excited for the next drop. So and you don't I have a question. Yeah. Like if I were starting something, I would want to know how many units I should order of the product to start out with. And I'm sure you guys can all answer that for me. Well, they said a hundred. Okay. I, that seems like a good number. Ordered like 400 probably total units. I think we we purchased what A, we could afford, but B, also what we knew that we could sell. So we kind of looked at like Ralph's data too of like, okay, when she's done yeah. partnerships in past. I've done a few capsules or like, this is how many units I sold of this necklace from this or capsule Or you have like collection. a couple like Revolve pieces too that you just like look oh, back yeah. at. Like, I've sold this many Revolve jeans last month. Okay, cool. Like that kind of translates to leggings. So like kind of grouping things a little bit and then trying to like derive some sort of like data from it. Wow. Hello. <laughs> Speed racer by our office. But yeah, I think that I think that was kind of how we derived those numbers at the end of the day. And what I would say too, what I think we're kind of doing more of is like picking a couple pieces that are more limited edition or like mm-hmm. limited quantities. All of our stuff is pretty much limited quantity, more or less. We like to sell out, especially within like a 45 day period, but a lot of it within the first week. But picking a couple things. So like we sold out of our bra and it was this was all an accident the first time, but we just realized it really worked for us. We sold out of the bra within like an hour or two because we made fewer SKUs of the bra than we did everything else. And so then that really creates this like behavior within customers like, oh, I don't know which is going to sell out first. I'm going to get everything that I know I want or might want now. Yeah. So we do everything equal. Yeah. That and makes then, sense. And then now we'll do drops. Like we did a Paris drop. We went to Paris to shoot our 
second to last or two yeah, collections, two ago. collections ago. ago. And that we had a huge, we, the collection was huge because we went overseas and it was a huge campaign around it. But then the collection right before that, that was like a limited Valentine's Day drop. We did super, super limited inventory. So that would sell out within, it sold out within 45 minutes. And then we were going to launch Paris the next week. So the hype is up and the Paris collection is much, much, much larger, like 10 times larger, 20 yeah. times larger. So then that was like, the hype is up, but then people really want the collection that we shot beautifully in another country. So kind of having like big campaigns, smaller, like little tease drop, big campaigns, smaller little teases is sort of an interesting way that we've positioned things. Yeah, super smart. Yeah, it's super really, really smart. smart. How do you guys decide return policy or like how do you handle that stuff? Because that can be a real mean. Yeah, you're not going to work off your inventory. We don't don't accept returns or exchanges. Everything is final sale right now. We would love to get to a place where we can accept at least exchanges, if not returns, because it's that drop and sell out method. It's really awkward to receive like five crew necks. Like I can't restock five crew necks on the site. Like two weeks after it's sold out. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what's kind of hard for us is because those things are limited edition. It's kind of like. And obviously, like, if there's an issue with an order, we're yeah. always going to accommodate. We have great customer service, but we are shipping everything out from our office right now. We don't have a warehouse. It's us. And so exchange it for something, but what they want to exchange it for could be sold out by the time we get their original return. So yeah, I don't know. Do, do, do you guys offer exchanges returns? It's a lot. I, I think it's also a lot harder with stuff that my mom does because it's not everything, but a lot of stuff is so fitted to the body. It's harder to order a dress online and make sure it fits versus athleisure. And also size, like more like a size one and two or extra small, small, medium, large. So it's like very giving in what it is. So all our surf and swim is not returnable. Mm -hmm. It's for, you know, sanitary reasons. (laughs) But yeah, everything else is, I think, seven days. It is seven days. Yeah, which it gives it enough time for people to try get it, try it on, and know right away either I'm this is a keeper or not. And otherwise, I think you know we used to have longer a longer policy, and we would get stuff back that was worn. Yeah, yeah, you're like, I can't, yeah, I mean, yeah, and you can't really do that. And then also, the longer you, it's extended same thing some it's sold out and then all of a sudden you're getting like one size four and one size 10 back and you're like what no what do we do and I think people know because I follow brands and they notify you when things are back in stock but then which is great and I bought from that but then also I know it's a return too like being in the fashion industry so I don't know maybe everyone doesn't know that but that's kind of awkward to me too because I know that someone had this tried it on didn't fit them for some reason and now it's being shipped to me so I don't like that either. So it's it's just interesting. Well, sometimes like we do it where we just restock the whole style, you know, oh, if it's sold out right yeah. away. So don't feel bad about it too much. Oh, yeah, that's good. Because it yeah. could be, <laughs> could exactly. be could the other reasons. Yeah. Yeah. You know, to make sure we have the correct inventory yeah. that the boxes say. So we'll yeah. have five left over because we left five off the site just so everyone gets a pair that it orders them, you know, yeah. in case something's mislabeled. So we'll restock like a day later, two days later too. Yeah. Um, it just kind of got awkward. Like we tried to do it at the beginning and it was, it was like, it was comical because it would be like, they sent it and then we never got it. And then it would be four months later. And then we're like, they totally wore it. Like we got sweaty, wet leggings back. Yeah. That was I was like, so I can't bad. do this. Like we're too that's small for this right now. Yeah, Maybe one later, we'll have but, to, but yeah, that's pretty gross. Oh no. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. I want to ask you guys about social media strategy and how you guys decided on like where you were going to go with that. Well, I feel like social strategy, it's, it's funny because I think this was your idea at the beginning, how we, how we did the Instagram dark. Was that you? Yeah. It was the last minute game time decision. A lot of our good ideas are very last minute. People think they're very thought through and, and we really think in advance about everything, but a lot of it's like the night before. So we were launching and Ken was like, how about we just turn the Instagram off or turn it on private and people have to request to follow. And those people are like our first 
ever follower. So they get our first ever password to our site. And so that was so crazy. That was a very last minute game time decision. But a lot of our being influencers ourselves, we see like the power of Instagram marketing and shopping through Instagram. So Mm -hmm. we really do rely heavily on Instagram as our biggest shop shoppable platform a bunch of our customers probably 90 percent come through instagram still which is crazy but obviously i shop through instagram if you see someone in the piece and you want it you go to that click the brand that they tagged and buy it through there directly so we still do a lot of that i think our instagram is mainly like we want to be a brand and we want to be someone that someone looks at also for like fashion advice or just life advice or big sister or however it is inspiring i think it's we always say our Instagram is like you go to Starbucks every day, but you don't follow them on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And the reason is, like, what are they giving you? What are they telling you? Are they interesting at all? So we always try to like ask our audience questions. If they're Ken and I are the two founders. So if she likes the color and I like a color and we don't know which one to decide on, we literally post it on Instagram and our followers decide which, which tone of pink we should go with. So just like having that engaged audience, I think yeah. is something like, over time that we've created organically, but has like really played in our favor. Yeah. I think. That's great. Yeah. I think that's really great. And I'm wondering how you guys, are you guys creating the content for the Instagram or where are you guys getting the, the content? Yeah, we, so we create all the content ourselves. Wouldn't you say? Yeah. So we, we'll hire out a photographer and designer, but we, Ralph mainly, Ralph's more creative. I'm more business operations, but we, do all the planning for photo shoots ourselves, all the location scouting, the styling. We do a lot of the modeling ourselves. Some of the modeling. <laughs> At uh, first, we didn't hire models. Yeah. So we, we just started shooting ourselves with our friends that are photographers that live in LA. And it's kind of like created from there. But we want to post like more organic content that our customers send in. But right now, it's like mostly from our shoots that yeah. we do in LA or beyond. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that personality aspect that you were talking about is what really sets us apart from other brands, having that engagement with our followers, yeah. asking them what they want, pulling them, reposting what they're sharing. She's drinking like a poppy. Cool. Are you drinking a poppy? Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm a big fan. <laughs> um, yeah. That's yeah. I feel like that. And like shooting abroad has been so helpful for us, especially coming out of the pandemic. Everyone is traveling. Yeah. looking forward to traveling, planning their next trip. So I think taking them with us and then giving them something beyond just the clothing. So when we went to Paris, we did like a whole Paris guide where we ate, what we did, how to style our pieces. And then we on Instagram did a giveaway and gave tickets to Paris. So like really like yeah. holistic wow. That's capturing fun. somebody, you know, Wait, what do you mean? Plane tickets, hotel, yeah, just, plane tickets. just plane tickets, just plane tickets for a girl and her friend. We had probably five times the engagement we normally have on that. Yeah. Maybe 10. I don't know. We got yeah, a lot crazy. of engagement. Yeah. Just like doing things that normal brands don't do, like that you might do on your personal or that you see someone else do, like you can do it on your brand's Instagram account too. You know, like why not give away plane tickets? No one's saying we can't. Yeah. Or like like we did 12 days of Christmas. That was another thing that we did on social that I feel like really increased engagement. And every day we did something fun and exciting. We took our followers with us and we did a day where we gave all of our profits back to our FedEx driver who we love and see every day. And like, Took everyone along for that. So they feel like Big they're Kev. Part of, yeah, we love him. But then they feel like they're part of the brand. Like they're building it with us. They're supporting our FedEx driver. They're like watching us evolve. They're seeing like people saw us literally packing in Ralph's apartment. Yeah. And then we were in a, in a temporary office and now we're in this one. And we're like really busting up the seams and need a new one. And we want we want our followers to feel like they're along with us and they're part of the brand and that it's not just clothing, but it's like this actual like dream too of ours being like young girls fresh out of college building our own brand and like getting to live out our dream every day yeah Mm -hmm. yeah I think that's actually that's a great tip for anyone who's starting a business now is like get your audience involved in the behind the scenes of that business yeah and that comes with the territory that we were talking about earlier which is that like it's becoming less gatekeepy about overall on like how to start a business like because people want to be involved in the behind the scenes and they want to see how everything is made they want to see the hiccups like I know I follow two brands that I feel like do this really well and one is a very new brand I'm pretty sure I don't even know if they've launched yet but my friend Kenzie Elizabeth has a brand called the O Kind and she has literally taken her followers 
through every aspect of the behind the scenes before they even launched. And then also one of my friends started a brand called Oat House, which is like granola butter. And um, Allie, the co-founder, she's like, so, I mean, she shows there when they're at the warehouse until like 3 a.m. tasting stuff and like packing these jars and all of this stuff. And like, it shows people not only that like, you know, when you see Kylie Jenner post and it's like, oh my God, all of my lip kits sold out in like an hour or whatever, that like, it, there's a lot of stuff that goes behind the scenes of that, that like are, is really hard, but people want to see it and people want to be involved. So I really think that's like a great way for you that you guys have, have gotten your audience involved in the brand. Yeah, that's awesome. I feel like TikTok is also a reason for all of that too. Like everyone shares everything. So if you're not, you, you seem, even if you might not try to seem like a little closed off or seem like, what are they hiding or, you know? So it's like, they really want to see it all. Like people these days want to see everything, the bad, the good, the mistakes, the this, the that. And so we, we've like tried to do as much as we can and show that. And I think it's like been super rewarding. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. We're just about to embark on a big or dive into TikTok. And I'm really excited because <laughs> for me, it's like, I'll share anything. Anything goes like here I am cutting something that is, you know, my friend is wearing to the Academy Awards on Sunday. I love okay. it. <laughs> That's you know, it's like, I love to see on TikTok. Yeah. But like, I'm interested in fashion and like, I've known about Cynthia Rally forever and loved your brand. So I feel like just as like customer, even seeing all of that is super, super interesting. Cause it's like, it's all the aspects too, versus yeah. just walking in, in and out of the store. I feel like it's, yeah, it becomes so, dimensional. Yeah. It's well, so- also, I think it's like, it's interesting. And I don't know if this is going to make you guys feel good or not good, but <laughs> it never gets easier. Yeah. It really doesn't. I mean, I'm afraid to tell you that it just gets different, you know, like, I love this Billie Jean King quote about pressure as a privilege because it really never gets like, I'm like, oh, well, you know, rip <laughs> this beautiful fabric and see what happened. It's like, I'm like sweating balls every day, like with a million like plates spinning, you know, like, is, is this going to come in into the little, you know, it's just like crazy. It's crazy. It's literally crazy. I can't wait for a glass of wine when I get home <laughs> at like eight o'clock at night. It's really like that. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, it's crazy. And I'm filming in life today. I'm like, we, we've we done so much already. And it's like 11 a.m. before we started. We're like, oh my gosh, it's crazy. But it, it is so fun. And I love that. It's like a privilege to be able to do all of that and have the crazy. It's like, we're going to miss that one day. So it's like, do it now. Oh, you know? No, you won't because it's still going to be. <laughs> well, well, one day when we're she'll never let go she'll never let go so I feel like you guys are gonna be the same like she will not let go like she will be at this studio at her studio until like she's literally dead like she will be here with a walker at the studio like I love that getting shit done so I can imagine that you guys are gonna probably because it's so much fun yeah if you have a passion for it like all of the pressure all of the spinning plates all of that is like it's worth it at the end when you like see someone wearing your product or like you see the joy that it brings your audience it's like there's not there's no better feeling so well together which is so mm -hmm. fun I think it's good to think like you know when you're really out there killing yourself like to know what the payoff is Mm -hmm. and the payoff obviously for some people is like lots of money or lots of fame or Maybe it's just like the joy of having an idea and being able to make it a reality. You know, it's like whatever the payoff is, it's good to always have that be the goal and work towards that. Like sort of knowing what makes you happy day to day and knowing what makes you feel like you've had a success, whether it's big or small, I think just helps you really commit to doing whatever it takes to make it work. 
Yeah, you know? like what's your why? Yeah, so I, I love There's that. There's a book on that. Have you read it? It starts with why? No, oh, but now I need to. Oh, my oh, God. Wow. I feel like that, that was just like floating and I was like, what to that? love that. Sounds inspirational. That sounds like a, like another podcast for us. Yeah. yeah okay, I have to read it. My former boss, who's a marketing genius, gave it to me and he signed it and it, it I reread it. It's amazing. He wrote it? No, no, no. He gives it to oh, all his employees oh. and he wrote in it for me. So I literally will go back to it. Oh my God. I yeah, that's read cool. it now. Okay, so I guess before we end, we ask one question to all of our guests, and I'm very excited to hear your guys' answer. And our question is, what do you want to be when you grow up? I love that. I love that. <laughs> I'm having to think on it. I feel like that's like a when I question. grow up, I want to be like a good mom, I think is like a huge thing I want to be. And I think I still want to be like creating clothes. Like I think I want to be a designer, fashion designer in some regard, but a good mom and a good sister, and a good wife, probably. Yeah, yeah. yeah. speak that into life. I love that answer. I think it's kind of in the same vein. Like, I definitely think being an entrepreneur has changed my life. Owning my own business has given me more energy and excitement than I've ever experienced. So I definitely want to continue being an entrepreneur, whether that's with daily drills or with another business, just continuing to innovate and grow. And then I think at the end of the day, like, I just want to be a good person, like, like, love well, love deep, have great to me, like a successful life is like loving God and loving people and deeply and richly and having that community. Yeah. So that's the kind of person and life that I want to lead. I think when I grow up. Yeah. That's what I want to Wow. I better still be my friend. Guys. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh my God. This was so fun. So good. I'm, I'm so, so, good. so, so happy. And I'm sure literally anyone who wants to be in your shoes one day will take so much from this episode. So tell everyone where they can find you guys and shop Daily Drills. Well, Daily Drills is shopdailydrills.com and just at Daily Drills on Instagram. And I'm at Mary Ralph. And I'm Kennedy Critchlow. Hope you guys love this episode. And thanks so much to Ginny Media for our audio production. All right. So I'm so happy that you guys got to listen to our stories today. As always, you can follow us on social media and keep up with our work and our crazy adventures. Then you can follow us on Instagram at Cynthia Rowley and at Kit Keenan. Thanks for listening. <laughs>